Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast. Today, we're going to be breaking down a couple of breakout wide receivers that I think are, are trending in the right direction. The more research that I do, one, the more that we hear about other players on this team, uh, that we hear about their quarterback situations becoming more secure and just digging into their quarterbacks more. I think the expectations that these receivers are just kind of okay, wide receiver two options, when I think that they have the ability to be top end wide receiver twos and really wide receiver one upside for this season. So we're going to break down into a couple of these receivers. And I would like to ask right away, if you could hit the like or subscribe button, if you've seen my videos before and you enjoy them, or if this is your first time seeing them, see if you enjoy it at some point. And if you do, just hit that like button for me and the big old subscribe button is popping up bottom right hand corner, totally free to do so. It's the best way to support this channel. And again, it is totally free. If you want to leave a review on the podcast, the Salvetri show, you might be listening there right now. If you're watching on YouTube, how you doing? You can go over to the podcast and anytime if you leave a review and a rating five stars it takes literally 60 seconds of your time to do both of those things maybe that much it gets you into a raffle for a 50 dollar giveaway some weeks only one to three people leave a review some weeks it's like 10 so this could be the week where you have a 50 percent chance of winning 50 bucks and you don't even have to wager any money to do so so be sure to do those things out to support me i really do appreciate it so with that said let's get right into it starting with a man that i like a lot this year and i liked him coming out of college and then he kind of was quiet and then he obviously had a little bit of a breakout season last year so the two guys i'm talking about you can argue that they broke out last year. Um, and they broke out in ways to be like top 20 receivers. Last year, DJ Shark averaged 14.9 fantasy points per game. He finished wide receiver 18, right? That type of thing. Uh, but I'm talking about breaking out to be like a wide receiver one. And when I'm talking about breaking out, I'm seeing these guys' ADPs go around like wide receiver 25, wide receiver 30 in some sites. And in a lot of drafts, they're falling to that spot, especially as casuals get back into the league and they start taking AJ Greens and Jarvis Landry's and Julian Edelman's way over the guy that you see over my shoulder, DJ Shark. And the second player that I'll talk about in this video in a little bit. And that's just a mistake in my opinion. Like I continue to adjust my rankings. My rankings are up on the Supreme Draft Guide. If you want to get them, there's information down below on how to do so. It's linked up right at the top. My Supreme Draft Guide is out. Rankings are just a piece of the puzzle that are in there, but I continue to move guys like the next guy I'm going to talk about, but DJ Shark up my rankings. DJ Shark is now wide receiver 23 in my rankings. At the beginning of the year, he probably started like wide receiver 26, 27, but there's just continued support for DJ Shark out of the Jags camp. And the more you look into his season last year, the more it is harder to ignore that the upside for this guy is a true alpha in this league is surely there. Now let's just look what he did last year. 73 receptions, broke the thousand yard mark, 1,008 yards and eight touchdowns. He saw a 21.8% target share and a 23.8% red zone target share. Again, I said he had 14.9 fantasy points per game and he finishes as wide receiver 18. Pretty good, but he was just sound everywhere. And I'll put it up right now. 19th in receptions, 42nd in yards per route run, an efficiency metric by pro football focus, 40th in yards per reception. So how deep he's catching as well as zero drops last year, 30th in fantasy points per target and 14th in deep targets overall. So just sound everywhere, right? Wasn't a crazy standout, but he was just not bad in any department. Uh, and then you look at Gardner Minshew, his quarterback propping up right now, 33.6 attempts per game for the rookie last year, who obviously came in for Nick Foles really early on in that season, 233 passing yards per game and 21 touchdowns. But Minshew, all the hype is about Kyler Murray this year, but Minshew had just as good of a year. He just didn't have uh, the starting job from right from week one. And he obviously did not come in with as many of the skills and the pedigree as Kyler Murray, but you still see Minshew going for 344 rushing yards last year. That would have been over 400 or right around 400 yards if he plays a full season, 380 or so. He was sixth in play action passing, fifth in deep ball passing, and 20th in true passer rating. So Minshew last year performed if he would have played the entire season. That's right around a top 20 quarterback, definitely in fantasy purposes when you add in the rushing yards, but just in general, even in real life, his efficiency metrics were pretty good. And those are things that are exciting to look forward to as a wide receiver one and DJ Shark and his quarterback get to develop together. So that's something to continue to watch and monitor that Garner Minshew was a rookie last year. 
there were really no expectations on him and he exceeded those expectations uh, same thing for dj shark and now they're going to get to grow together again in this offense also the offensive line is going to age together as well they didn't really do anything to shore up that offensive line which i guess people can look at and say that that was an issue i thought they should have done something but when you look at it it, it is a it is still a young offensive line that is very similar to i would say atlanta's offensive line two or three young pieces that although they didn't have the greatest of first years there's still hope based on their draft pedigree that they can kind of advance this season and you look at what they did in the offseason as i prop it up right now and they added tyler eifert they had chris thompson and mike glenn and certainly nobody that's going to factor in some people might think chris thompson's going to factor into leonard Fournette's touches and receptions okay that's fine if you think so i don't think it's going to be that drastic tyler eifert should probably walk in here and be a starting tight end probably battle with a couple guys they lose uh swaim they lose nick o'leary they lose seth deval so all their other tight ends so that's why tyler eifert seems to be the guy right away but they don't really lose anything all that meaningful unless you value those tight ends for them and in the draft they do most of their work they do get some offensive linemen or one offensive lineman and ben barch in the fourth round and then they pick up some depth pieces at tight end at wide receiver lavisca chenault was their biggest pick in the second round flashy player uh, looks to be one of if not the most athletic player coming out of the draft based on workout metrics and combine metrics so that's pretty good and, and that should impact dj shark or at least in theory should impact him right when you have this good of a a rookie wide receiver coming out there's going to be some sort of competition right and let's look at the overall target competition before we break down into chenault specifically so you can see the target competition right here i put lavisca chenault dd westbrook Chris Conley, Keelan Cole, Tyler Eifert, right? The tight end at the end of that. Now you could argue Leonard Fournette. You could throw in CJ Board or whoever else you want to put in there at the wide receiver position. Um, Colin Johnson, another rookie that they took. These are the guys that I expect to see the majority of the overall work. Now last year, you ended up seeing DJ Shark see 117 targets. That's a very good year. Like 120 target season is wide receiver one stuff. So I do have DJ Shark projected for around 120 target season. The issue is now LaVisca Chenault comes in here, who can be potentially a gadgety guy, but I think he's going to mainly impact uh, D.D. Westbrook out of the slot a good amount i think he's going to impact to an extent chris conley on the outside i do think that dd westbrook is the one impacted the most from this because look they can put chenault into the slot right uh, and dd westbrook even keelan cole was getting snaps over him last year at times dd westbrook has said every single year to prove like doubters wrong the preseason last year he pops off with nick Foles and sees like six targets and everybody thinks he's going to be a monster in week one he got the targets but he just was never efficient he was not getting separation he was dropping passes he was not getting downfield so i do think if anything why would they take targets and usage away from the guy who was the breakout last year in DJ Shark, the guy who looked like a true alpha uh, and was a true alpha for them. Why would you not take it away from a guy like D.D. Westbrook, who was very inefficient? Uh, even Chris Conley was efficient when healthy last year on the outside of getting separation to an extent for what you expect from Chris Conley. Uh, Chris Conley, I would say, met or exceeded his expectations for his role in this team last year. D.D. Westbrook, definitely, definitely disappointed, at least in my opinion. So I do think that the target competition will probably come the most from Chris Conley and LaVisca Chenault out of the wide receiver groupings. But again, those are guys who are going to be 2A, 2B. Another thing to be talking about is that LaVisca Chenault not having rookie minicamps is going to be an issue. Instead of being with the team and understanding the playbook and getting to live practice against defensive units uh, and whatever you're going to be playing, 11s, 8s, whatever it is, you're not going to have to do that or you're not going to have an um, extra month of doing that. You might not have a single preseason game. Now they're saying they might have one preseason game now. Um, and depending on when you're watching this, I'm recording this in in, in like a couple weeks ahead because I'm going to be traveling. But if they only have one preseason game, that's not going to help LaVisca Chenault. What's he going to run? Eight routes before his first NFL game. So normally it takes rookie receivers on average uh, four to six, maybe sometimes even eight games to kind of get the playbook to get ahead of some other veterans in the snap order and the pecking order. Chenault, it might take just a standard eight or more based on the fact that there's no rookie preseason. He might take those first two or three weeks just to get his legs up under him, let alone compete with D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley. So I do think that yeah, Chenault's going to be a flashy name, probably a guy towards the second half of the year that you look at more, like how Debo Samuel was last year, like how A.J. Brown was not really ever becoming a true starter until week five of last year 
year, that type of deal. So for me, DJ Shark just looks like an absolute stud and baller out there. I have him projected for 120 range in targets. I have him right now as my wide receiver 23, which would be a worse finish than last year. But obviously, you have to look at all the factors involved here. He had 73 receptions for 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. I don't have him projected for eight touchdowns. If I give DJ Shark six or seven touchdowns, that obviously drops him. If I give him a little bit more yardage, 1,100 yards or so, but I drop his receptions to like 68, that obviously gives him a little bit lower. And the reason that that is because I think his yards per reception is going to go up. You had one of the most accurate quarterbacks in Gardner Minshew in deep passing last year and DJ Shark, who was top 15 in deep targets. So as long as those are just converted more often, you're going to see more yardage and probably because of that, a little bit less receptions. But DJ Shark right now for me is somebody that I am targeting as my wide receiver too. And I'm honestly fine getting him as a wide receiver one if I go with three or four running backs to start a specific draft, the best ball draft or whatever league I'm doing, if that happens. But DJ Shark is a wide receiver two, very strong option. As a wide receiver three or flex option, even stronger in my opinion. The second breakout wide receiver that I think you just need to own. And these guys, again, you can get them pretty easily depending on how you draft as your wide receiver two. You can start with two or three running backs and get these guys as your wide receiver one or wide receiver two. And in many instances, I'm trying to get DJ Shark and Terry McLaurin right there together, get three running backs and then snag DJ Shark and Terry McLaurin. Now, a lot of times Terry McLaurin is going like right before my fifth round pick. So it really does depend on where you draft in the fifth round. But let's just say you're drafting like first overall. Say you get Christian McCaffrey or Saquon, whoever you want there. The pick comes back around and you have the the luxury of taking like a Leonard Fournette and a Todd Gurley or whoever you want to draft at that point. I'm just saying if you take three running backs in a row and then the picks come all the way back around to you, end of the fourth round, DJ Shark is still there, Terry McLaurin, maybe even like a DK Metcalf, these types of upside receivers I'd rather be drafting. I don't have any issues with AJ Green or Jarvis Landry. I think they're actually pretty good ADP values for where they're going, but I don't think they have that same upside that we're looking at in these guys to really pop off as like one of them or multiple of them being top 12, top 15 wide receivers this year. Year. Terry McLaurin, he was up there with DK Metcalf for guys who got hot starts last year. He had the hottest of starts last year when you just look at overall game logs and how he started his career out in the NFL. I mean, he was the first one to let the whole league know and put the league on notice that the Eagles secondary and Rashad Douglas was not going to actually be good this year. I think he ended up running. He ran 42 routes in his first uh, game and he had five receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. But then he did it the next week as well, right? Byron Jones, somebody who just got a massive contract from Miami, from Dallas. He ends up going over to Byron Jones' house and he says, you know what? I'll do to you too. Five receptions 62 yards on nine targets and he also had in that game a touchdown so he was very consistent the next week does the exact same thing six receptions 70 yards and he has a touchdown he finished as a top 20 and borderline top 15 wide receiver each of the first three weeks as a rookie normally that doesn't happen I just went over how you should be happy if your wide receiver sees like eight weeks of production like Debo Samuel down the stretch last year but Terry McLaurin did it right out of the gate and he was doing it against good cornerbacks I mean you look at Prince of Mukamara not a fantastic cornerback but he did it against him he ended up catching three balls for 51 yards against Stefan Gilmore. So wasn't completely shut down, uh, but he ended up doing very well against Byron Jones. Richard Sherman shut him down. That was like the main person to shut him down last year. Uh, but he had some very good games. Darius Slay, he got ahead of towards the end of the season. So, so yeah, Terry McLaurin looked like an absolute stud last year, played 98% of the snaps, 14 games. So he missed a couple of games, but 58 receptions, 919 yards and seven touchdowns, 23% target share. And then he also had a 24% red zone target share. So look, he misses two games. If he doesn't miss those two games, he's going for a thousand yards, right? He ended up finishing about 81 yards short of a thousand. So he probably ends up if he doesn't miss those two games somewhere I would assume around like a 65 reception thousand yard season for maybe eight touchdowns maybe he scores another touchdown in those games and then you're looking off of AJ Brown who I think has all the upside in the world but kind of already broke out and you're saying wow Terry McLaurin did this with multiple quarterbacks last year, which AJ Brown kind of did, right? AJ Brown really didn't start playing until Ryan Tannehill was starting for the most part as a starter. Um, but AJ Brown also had a hundred yard game, his first game with Marcus Mariota. But you're looking at Terry McLaurin and saying, wow, he did this with dusty quarterbacks. Terry McLaurin did it with Dwayne Haskins, who 
who looked very, very bad for his first couple of games, starting to improve towards the end of the season, but very, very bad his first couple of games, and he was still able to produce. I mean, I'm talking down the stretch when Dwayne Haskins was still pretty bad and inaccurate, but at least getting better against Jair Alexander, Packers number one cornerback, who is pretty solid. He puts up 15.5 fantasy points, four for 57 and a touchdown. Had a nice acrobatic touchdown in the back of the end zone. Then he finishes off the year against just some of the worst, if not the two worst secondaries in the league. He goes up against the Eagles again, where he started his career and torched them. And this time he goes for five receptions, 130 yards and a touchdown. He goes up against DeAndre Baker, one of the worst uh, rookie cornerbacks last year. He goes up against him. He has seven receptions for 86 yards, finishes as a top 20 wide receiver that week as well, 15.6 fantasy points. So uh, he's doing his job against bad secondaries, but he's also doing his job as a rookie against some good secondaries as well. Again, Richard Sherman really the only one to put him down and shut him down completely. Stefan Gilmore to an extent. And now this guy gets to play in the same exact division where the Giants didn't do anything to improve their secondary, really nothing at all. I mean, that secondary is still going to be buns. The Eagles are trying to improve their secondary. Darius Slay, I think probably the most underrated signing of the whole offseason, was Nicole Robbie Coleman, who's going to be a slot cornerback from the Rams, who's a very good slot cornerback. They got him for like a million bucks to Eagles. I actually think that signing of the slot cornerback is better than Darius Slay. Look, people can say what they want about Darius Slay. I think big play Slay was good at one point. I don't think he's terrible right now. Um, but as of last year, he was outside the top 100 in overall cornerback grades. That's not good. I do think he's on the downturn and the decline of his career. And who better than the Eagles to sign cornerbacks on the downturn and decline of their careers? But I do think Robbie Coleman was a good addition. So maybe the Eagles secondary will be improved this year. We shall see. But the Giants definitely will not be improved. And if anything, the Cowboys losing Byron Jones is going to ruin theirs a little bit. They did sign a rookie in the draft in the second round. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But looking at this right now, you had Terry McLaurin last year finishing as a top 25 wide receiver seven times. So 50% of the time as a rookie, he was finishing as a top 25 wide receiver. That's fantastic. 15.8 yards per reception. You can see the stats on the screen. Just under 10 yards per target was 12th in the league. He was the number one contested catch player in the league, the number one graded rookie, and he was a slot mismatch. Again, going out of the slot is going to be huge for these type of athletic freak tight uh, wide receivers and even tight ends, but three slot touchdowns and a 23% slot usage. I would love to continue to see that happening. It's easier to get open in the slot, worse cornerback play. You just get to use more of the field. Now, Dwayne Haskins is going to be a big question mark. If Dwayne Haskins was a, a league average quarterback, we would be saying Terry McLaurin is a top 15 wide receiver this year, but he's not a league average quarterback, right? If, if Dwayne Haskins, if you looked at him and you said, okay, that guy looks like Jared Goff, right? Jared Goff, I would say around the league average quarterback, at least for fantasy purposes, he looks like uh, Daniel Jones, at least what he showed us last year, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Ryan Tannehill, these types of guys, right? If he just looked like one of them, I think we would say Dwayne Haskins is definitely a top 20 wide receiver. He's currently my wide receiver 24, one spot behind DJ Shark, because I personally just trust Gardner Minshew a little bit more. I think Terry McLaurin is more gifted than DJ Shark, but I just think that the quarterback play, at least right now, I think uh, Gardner Minshew just showed a lot more in his rookie year. Dwayne Haskins last year averaged 151.7 yards per game, seven touchdowns on a 3.4% rate and 22.6 attempts per game. He was not good last year at all. Now he was 27th in true passer rating, 35th in play action passing and 26th in clean pocket passing. So even when he had time, even when his offensive line was giving him time, he was still the 26th best in the league during that time. His 8.3 fantasy points per game ranked 34th among quarterbacks. This is the thing. He has now a whole offseason and it's kind of a compromise one, I give you that, but a whole offseason to at least learn to play both more, work with receivers to an extent, and just learn what it means to be a pro. He was as raw of a product as it comes. This is not Dwayne Haskins' fault that the Redskins took him where they did and then put him into the game last year when he was not ready. And it was known by a lot of people, scouts, by people within the organization that this guy is not ready to play football right now. And that showed more than probably any other quarterback in the league that showed through his first two or three starts last year. But this was my theory when Jared Stenham looked like he was going to be the starter, and maybe he still will be, but before Cam Newton was signed with the New England Patriots, my theory was, 
everybody thinks that this guy is going to be the worst in the league. So if he's the worst in the league, you're currently getting Terry McLaurin at just the proper ADP, right? Uh, wide receiver 27 or wherever he's going off the board right now. What happens if Dwayne Haskins, he doesn't have to take a Lamar Jackson step forward in his accuracy and overall, uh, just his overall like composure in the pocket. What happens if he just goes from being uh, a bad or the worst that everybody thinks he's going to be the worst quarterback or one of the two worst in the entire league to just being like the 10th worst in the league, right? What happens if he takes just a minor step forward this year and he's somewhat accurate? And instead of at the end of this year, we look back and we say, oh man, he was ranking 35th and 27th and 26th in categories. What if we say he was ranking 30th and 20th and 20th in these categories? Well, the main beneficiary from that is going to be Terry McLaurin. And then Terry McLaurin goes from being the wide receiver 27 in everybody's projections to like the wide receiver 13. That's all it takes, right? Just a little bit more accuracy on these passes from Dwayne Haskins. And that's what I'm going to bet on. I'm going to bet on that he's not the worst quarterback in the league. If you told me uh, every other quarterback you could take or Dwayne Haskins, I just bet the field that somebody else being one of the worst in the league, right? And that's what I'm going to be betting on at this point. Everybody's expectations are that this is going to be a terrible quarterback this year. And because of that, Terry McLaurin is being picked probably 10 picks later in the wide receiver slots, at least in those rankings than he probably should be. I'll just leverage against what everybody thinks because that's normally going to pay off for you in life, in my opinion. So Redskins additions and subtractions for this offseason. And just if anything is going to really impact a guy in Terry McLaurin. And my short answer is no. All they add at the wide receiver position is Cody Lattimore. They add every single running back under the sun, Peyton Barber, JD McKissick. They obviously add some running backs in the draft as well. So uh, all over the place is what they end up doing here. End up losing Case Keenum. So nothing major there. Eric Flowers, not major. So nothing really lost in a major way. Chris Thompson, Vernon Davis, Jordan Reed is still questionable with concussion stuff. And then in the draft is where they really start piling some things on. Antonio Gibson, a running back slash wide receiver. He is a very dynamic running back. He played a lot of wide receiver last year, though, in college because of a lot of injuries. We'll break down into him in a second. An offensive lineman, Antonio Gandy Golden, who played at Liberty, a small school. He was a monster. Like if Liberty was anything in terms of had good competition, he'd probably be a much higher pick than a fourth round pick, probably a second round pick at the wide receiver position. In most drafts that aren't loaded, he's probably a third round pick. But again, he played at Liberty, very weak competition. We'll break down into him though, because he's going to have a nice opportunity now that Kelvin Harmon is done for the year. I believe it was an ACL Terry's done on IR. Now Andy Golden is just going to naturally move up in a pecking order that behind Terry McLaurin is pretty thin. McLaurin last year, just for durability reasons, missed one game with a concussion. I said he missed two total and the other one was with a hamstring. Now looking at target competition. So let's look at it right now. We'll start with the first guy that's going to be the biggest target in Steve Sims. Steve Sims last year played 73% of his time out of the slot, 36.8% overall snaps. He had 34 receptions, 310 yards, and he had five touchdowns. It was a 13.3% target share when he actually played, but he saw his biggest bump in the final five games. He started to play anywhere from 60 to 79% of the snaps. He was number seven in fantasy points per route run due to a high touchdown rate last year overall, 11.8% touchdown rate. That's surely going to come down, right? Five touchdowns touchdowns on 56 targets. These are the final three weeks of the season for Steve Sims. This is when he starts to pop off. And this is why he's probably the wide receiver two now secured with the Calvin Harmon injury in this offense. Week 15, 70.6% of the snaps. He's the wide receiver 27 with five receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. A lot of targets there. Week 16, 79.7% of the snaps, six receptions, 64 yards and two touchdowns on 10 targets. He's the wide receiver four pops off. And then week 17, 65% of the snaps, five receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown eight targets still very good anything from like seven to ten is very good for a wide receiver even six is five to six is like average um one to three is not so great four is just like meh five to six average and then anything above that's very good he was the wide receiver 14 that week so he closes out the year with a wide receiver 27 wide receiver four and a wide receiver 14 production uh, so that's obviously very good from steve sims he closes out the year in those three games having 29 targets so steve sims somebody to keep an eye on he's probably the biggest threat to competition right now at least right out of the gate for terry mclaurin you look at some of these other options kelvin Harmon last year saw 40 
44 targets. But again, he's done for the year now. So Calvin Harmon, who was not productive playing 60% of the snaps when he did play in 44 targets, those will now be distributed through to some other players. You look at Trey Quinn. Now, maybe Trey Quinn will get some usage out of the slot. He played 12 games and 61% of the snaps last year, 73% of the time out of the slot. He only saw 47 targets. I do think they're going to probably slowly move on from Trey Quinn. He is a nice little security valve. But I think Terry McLaurin sees a little bit more slot usage. I think Steve Sims sees a lot of slot usage and kind of takes Terry McLaurin's job. So if I if if I envision the three wide receiver sets being McLaurin, Steve Sims in the slot, and then Kelvin Harmon on the outside, I think now you're still going to see Steve Sims in the slot a lot. And maybe now Antonio Gandy-Golden gets opportunities on the outside. Now pop up Gandy-Golden's right now player profile. And you can get all these things online on my Supreme Draft Guide. Link down below, not only the rankings, but all these rookies profiles with just little stats about them, giving you some information about them, even for some veteran players as well. I'll have by the time the season's over, the summer's over, around 150 to 200 overall profiles. There's already like 100 to 120 on there right now. So be sure down below, get my Supreme Draft Guide. It is linked down below. Information on how to get it for just $10 to $30 value. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. And if you will take a second of your time, hit that like button for me and the big old subscribe button. Even if you're brand new and this is your first video and you've seen some sort of value or you enjoy this video, doing those things really does go a long way. Like hitting the subscribe button, you personally will allow it to reach probably like another 10 to 20 people and they might hit it and then it starts to grow. And that's how this YouTube channel channel grows. Uh, there's no magic to it. It's about hard work and it's about getting the support and buy-in from the community. So hopefully you appreciate my work and you want to do that for me. So thank you so much in advance. But Gandy Golan's 22 years old. He's was picked in the fourth round, picked 36 in the fourth round. So he's one of those conditional picks. Um, you ended up getting a, from the Washington Redskins, getting him from Liberty. He played four years there. He was a beast. 79 receptions. Uh, last year, he had 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. He saw 31.4% target share, 17.7 yards per reception. He was an absolute monster, but the issue was he was playing at Liberty very weak competition. His physicality and his speed overall was a concern. He was able to dominate even though posting just a 4-6. Again, screams to just the competition that he was playing. The separation downfield was never really there. More of a jump ball type of a guy. But the good things, he broke out at age 19. That's fantastic. His catch radius, he can run a lot of different routes. His versatility in that department. He ran about 11% of his snaps last year out of the slot. So he can run out of the slot as well to an extent. Uh, you saw 37 deep passes last year and he's very good versus press coverage. So he can get separation during press coverage. But other than that, and a lot of guys can, right? You're up against the line. So it's like Devontae Adams. How good are you at just your release at that point? Um, he's pretty good at that. But again, he played at Liberty. This is the big concern. But now he doesn't have to play behind Kelvin Harmon this year because of the injury who came out of a better school, at least in more competition last year. He only has to play behind Terry McLaurin and Steve Sims. So I would say he's surely behind coming into the season. Uh, but after that, like Trey Quinn's not going to be much of a factor in my opinion. There's some other guys in the depth pieces on the outside, but based on the fourth round capital, I do think Andy Golden at some point this year, especially if there's another injury, is going to get some work and going to get some work probably somewhat early on. And then finally, Antonio Gibson. Now he might just be a factor in the backfield alone, but they could put him in the slot as well, which would hurt Trey Quinn even more. But Antonio Gibson played two years at Memphis. He only played 307 total offensive snaps. You can see that right here. Pick two in the third round for the Washington Redskins. They have a ton of running backs in this roster. Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson, JD McKissick, Peyton Barber, just to name a few. Bryce Love, Antonio Gibson. So Gibson could be, they've already said he's like Christian McCaffrey uh, in terms of his role that is just catching passes. So don't blow your heads off. Oh, they, he, they think he's as good as Christian. No, no, no. They're saying that he, he can catch passes, he's shifty, and he can run the ball. We already know that. They're just putting another name comparison to him, like the ones that he had coming out of the draft in Joe Mixon and Ty Montgomery. So uh, he only ran the ball. So this is what he did last year. 307 total offensive career snaps last year, 33 rushing attempts, 38 receptions. Again, there was injuries to his team. So he played a lot of wide receiver last year, saw 58 targets, ended up seeing overall during that time, 71 touches, and he ended up producing like a 1200 or 1150 yard season. So very efficient. He had a 14.9 yards per touch. 
such. This guy is extremely efficient. The issue is the small sample size. So I do think he'll actually be a factor. I don't think you draft a guy with this much upside in the third round for no reason. The the risk there is that it's a small sample size and you don't know what you're getting out of it. Some of the other Memphis backs that have come into the league haven't looked great. Some have looked great. So it's all about just figuring out where this guy's role is on the team. If they put him in the backfield as a starting running back on this team and let Adrian Peterson and Darius guys battle for the RB2, I actually think he'll be extremely efficient. It's just a matter of seeing that. On tape, he looked really good. We only have limited tape though, right? We only have limited tape against some pretty bad opponents too. So I think he has sneaky upside. Maybe one of the guys in the draft with the most upside, you take a shot on him because of his upside. If he's a guy who has 250 carries, is he as efficient as he's showing or is it just a fake small sample size? The fact that he has a 15.6 career yards per touch leads me to believe that this guy is going to be very, very good uh, in the NFL if he gets the opportunity. Now, maybe not very, very good, but at least going to be good and efficient in the NFL. So we'll see what ends up happening with Antonio Gibson. I look at this list and I say, yes, Steve Sims, a young player last year, showed some promise at the end of the year. He's probably the wide receiver too. Kelvin Harmon didn't show any promise and got hurt. So he's he's not playing at all this year. So now you have a pretty big gap between Terry McLaurin to Steve Sims alone, then to Steve Sims to the rest of these receivers. A lot of younger guys, rookies and Antonio Gibson uh, and Gandy Golden, Trey Quinn, no real upside there in my opinion. So for me, Terry McLaurin is my wide receiver 24, a top 25 wide receiver right now. And if anything, he's going to continue to move up. I continue to move him up. I just moved Terry McLaurin up. I just moved like right before the show. I just moved Terry McLaurin and DJ Shark up. I mentioned it. DJ Shark is now my wide receiver. Again, all these rankings are down below in the Supreme Draft Guide. But now DJ Shark is my wide receiver 23. Terry McLaurin's 24. I put them ahead of guys like T.Y. Hilton. I put them ahead of guys like Cortland Sutton. There's an opportunity for them to even pass Keenan Allen, to pass potentially DK Metcalf, to pass Stefan Diggs. There's an opportunity. I don't currently have them there. But again, by the end of the year, these guys can be top 22 wide receivers for me. They're very close right now. So these are two breakouts, DJ Shark and Terry McLaurin, that I think you need to be drafting. So be sure to check it out. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button before you go. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide down below as well. And if you want a chance, maybe even a 50-50 chance this week to win $50 Ruskies, you can do so by leaving a review on the Sal Fetri Show. So I appreciate you all tuning in. I'll see you all in the next one.